Thunder Media. On this week's Inside Motorsport, we continue our chat with the US-based Australian engineer, Andrew Dickerson. I hope you'll stay with us. Do you have your own wind tunnels and shaker rigs? Uh, we have shake, we have a, we'll have a shaker rig, but we don't know. Wind, we all share a wind tunnel, but your NASCAR limit at the time you're allowed to go on that. Most of the time now, what well, most development now is going into simulation and what they call DIL, so driver driver in loop simulation. That that's where the, getting the tires right, the aero modeling right, so you can do your t test because no testing is illegal everywhere, pretty much every category to save money. So that's that's where all the investments going, um, which I enjoy. I love it. And so. Uh, how do you data engineer a simulator to give the driver the best experience, like what you did have, what, like what you had to do to get to Chicago? Uh, the driver, you buy in from the driver to start with, and then you work with them. The, the biggest th variables you find in a simulator are the tyres being accurate and the error map being accurate. If they're somewhat close, you can put it in a simulator and get your driver there and make laps like Shane and Brody did when they came over, and you can work through setup changes. Um, and they, they translate, they correlate to the track. Um, but there are some weeks when if something's off, you've got to be careful not to let it lead you down a path that gets you completely messed up because the way the NASCAR rules are set now, like you don't, you can't change springs once you get to the track. You've got what you've got. You've got a 20 minute practice session, but you can't change anything. So you better make sure you've got it right. And one thing I think over here probably got missed because Shane did what he did in Chicago was Brody's job at Indy. I think a lot of people wouldn't understand just how big a deal that was because the last yeah. Australasian went and won the race. This is people that weren't watching the races or don't understand racing. I mean, what Shane did was the exception, not the rule, but all credit to him, he won and he did what he had to do. Um, but all fell perfectly for him. At Indianapolis, Brody got shafted by us. Like, we had some issues in practice. We, you only get 20 minutes of practice, and he, got, he missed all of that except the last two minutes. Having never driven a cup car in real life before, went into qualifying and qualified 11th. Like, st straight up, the first time he's ever driven it. And then, unfortunately, got on the rear bump stops and, and wrecked it. So we had to go to the backup car and start at the back. But even so, in the race, he did a great job. It was just a weird race that had no, no cautions. Um, so it was hard to kind of make up track position. So then in the eight car that I work on with Kyle, um, we had a valve spring, our engine was dying, like slowly, slowly, slowly. And it got to a point that it looked like, all right, this is gonna die soon. So we pitted um, Brody, put some tires on. So then if the caution came out when we blew up, he'd just cycle to the front and have it restart with five laps to go on the front. But unfortunately our engine didn't blow up, of course. <laughs> Never does when you want it to. But it could have been so different, the perspective of it. Like it just, Brody did a hell of a job. Um, it just, the, the, the box score doesn't show that. No, and that's right. But if you watch the, if you were watching the timing, yeah. you go, he's pitted now, he is setting yeah. up yeah. 
for the run to the end. We need, you need to be told that too, because when you do that, if it doesn't work out, you go from being 13th to 27th. But if it works out, then all of a sudden you start on the front two rows, potentially, for a restart. So that's, that's racing, right? It is. <laughs> I've been to a couple of NASCAR and a couple of IndyCar races, and your whole paddocks there, you, your, your, your paddock, mm -hmm. is so different to these ones, of course, where these trucks are parked here and they park for the weekend here. Yep. Um, in your paddocks, in, in NASCAR and IndyCar, very different. It's a live um, pit lane, mm -hmm. and that's something that they're looking at doing here. Well, I think the decision's been already made. It's a done thing. Um, it's going to change this quite dramatically next year. How do you mean? Well, because um, there won't be people. Triple Eight won't be oh, rooted you mean in, in every pit. week. It changes. Yeah, every yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You change from the beginning of the race weekend because you're all in garages, and fastest yeah. qualified picks his pit spot. Right. So yeah, the, the garages are based on points, but like we really don't do anything in garages now. Like back in the day, we used to have practice sessions in the garages, but now we just we roll through inspection and put the car in the garage, and it's yeah based on points. So the highest points guy will get to go through inspection first etc etc and then after qualifying wherever you qualify gets to you pick where you go start on pit road um, so I, for us yeah that I don't think it really makes a difference how it affects these guys here that's interesting because someone it's like saying uh, Dave Blaney won the, won the championship this year um, if so he would get the best pit stall every race next year like that's a huge advantage so taking that away I think is a good thing I don't think I mean, being, it doesn't need to be based on past results. I think that's good to make it a, a floating thing like that. Brian, you're basing Brian, it. Brian Blaney, I'm sorry, not Dave Blaney. You're, yeah, <laughs> you're base, but you're basing it on that qualifying effort, that one lap. Yeah, so that's it, how you set your pit lane. And yeah. I, I can't believe just how many people are getting jumping up and down about it. We qualify on a Saturday, and then they pick pits there, and then we come in four hours before the race. The green flag start drops on Sunday, and the whole pit road needs to get set up. That's just the culture of how it is. I mean, that's, that's actually a better way to do it. Probably, now, I'm th I never really thought about it until you asked me, because I've never worked when it's been like a, a standard pit lane for the whole year. I've never been a part of that team. But someone's getting an advantage every single pit stop if you do it like that, based on what they did last year, which is probably not fair. And you don't have the double stacking. Every team has its own crew. Correct, yes. How many of the guys on the weekend are the weekend warriors? Like the weekend warriors, you mean the guys? Just who change the tires that just do the, the pit, pit crew. crew. The pitting crew as opposed to the, the crew. Five each car. Five, five people for, for each car. And then maybe five or so mechanics that are there earlier in the weekend to get the car to that point. A couple of engineers um, and a crew chief. And those five, one on each wheel and a fuel guy, is that it? You've got, you've got a tire changer, a tire carrier, so, and then you've got a jack man and a, and a fuel man. So, yeah, one, two, three, six. Six. Got, they each have to do two wheels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you do the, you get a front pair and a rear pair, and then the, the jack. Uh, you, you have centlock wheels now, though, don't you? No, they're, they're one stud. Yes, they're one yeah, stud. Yeah, yes, but but the the nut doesn't doesn't retain in the wheel. You, the nut comes out, and then the nut goes back on. It stays in the gun. Yes, yeah. we do we do a terrible job of these pit stops. We have on our team particularly, we have done a terrible job of these pit stops. But something we need to work on in the off season. So if if you've got a two car team. You've got 20 guys on race day, 10 guys in the prep, and how many of them back at the workshop? Uh, that's a good question for Richard. Tell him how much, how many people he employs. It's probably three or four hundred. There's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it, like prepping the cars. Because once the car comes back, it's, it, 
it's completely stripped and they start again. It goes back through the whole life cycle. It's got to get measured, make sure nothing's gotten bent. Um, so we've probably got a fleet of, I'm going to say, six to eight chassis that we that, that run through. And then some tend to end up being road course cars, some short track cars, depending on you know what, what's performed well, what's... I don't know what has the what measures the best the way you like it kind of thing. Um, so a lot of people, but most of them are pretty busy most of the time. Tell us about your job and specifically. Obviously, it's changed enormously from when you arrived to what you did this year. Tell us about what your responsibilities are. Figure out what Kyle Busch needs to go fast, and and it's not just asking him. It's 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 learned through experience of going racing with him of working on the simulator with him trial and error um, and then so basically preparation involves spending time on the simulator working through things and every week kind of building a, a notebook of you know, when he says something he means this just like any crew chief and driver kind of thing and i had done that with tyler reddick for for uh, three years before that and i felt me and tyler got along really well we knew i we knew i knew what he wanted or i knew what he needed when he said something Kyle came at like at the kind of the peak of his career as someone who's I don't know not the easiest person to approach. He's very intimidating, and but I, I just went straight past that barrier, and we, we worked really well together. It's it's been good so far. Intimidating in what way? Is he demanding of you or what? I mean, he's demanding, but just just his demeanor. If you've seen if you've ever seen Kyle Busch walk around, he looks like he wants to punch you. <laughs> Just, just standing there where he's probably just even thinking that. He hasn't yet. No, he hasn't yet. Right, okay. Right, no. That's great. We continue our chat with Andrew Dickerson next week on Inside Motorsport. Until then, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.